This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. You're listening to Ride at Home with Rich. And now, here's your host, Rich Horace. All right, good Saturday afternoon, everybody. Rich Orris here, and thank you for joining us today, and welcome to Right at Home with Rich. Today, we're going to be talking up historic homes with our guest and renovation expert, Nan Wisniewski. We can cover the benefits and the downsides of purchasing a historic home. I really want to touch on why, okay? What makes everyone absolutely love historic homes? We can touch on some of the historic home codes, guidelines, things we need to follow, and maybe get into tax credits also if we have time. So in today, my hack, you're going to want to stick around for this one. Very simple, talking about how to hang pictures on plaster walls. If you have an older home, you probably already know this. If you don't, you're not going to want to miss it. And my On the Road with Rich segment, we're going to talk about a client looking for some front yard renovations in the historic Central West End. Yes, folks, we even need to think about the yard with historic homes. Everything from the roof to the grass. So here to join me in helping this conversation with historic homes, our expert, Nan Wisniewski. Thanks for joining me today, Nan. How's it going? Going well. Thanks for having me. Oh, I tell you, I really appreciate you coming in. And um, this this really, you know, we've done so much with historic homes. I know you have too. Um, I, I love this topic. I think it's great. I've done a little bit before with some different buildings and different guests and stuff. So I think we're going to have a really good time going over all this today. And so, Nan, the first thing I'd probably be interested in with you and yourself and what you do is you know, how did you really just get interested in older historic homes and renovating them? Um, started when I was a child. I grew up uh, in a family with older parents. My dad was a lighting engineer. Okay. So I grew up with the drafting table and blueprints and was always fascinated by how things were put together. My mom was interested and had a love for St. Louis architecture and older buildings. So a free day would be a house tour. Uh, going into a significant architectural, maybe commercial building. And then I would travel with my parents for my dad's business and have the opportunity to see those things outside of St. Louis as well. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, that, yeah, I, I've been to Philadelphia. I thought that was like amazing. Some of the buildings and the structures and, you know, all the historic stuff down there was was quite amazing. But so here in St. Louis... How long have you been working with and, you know, working with historic homes? 20 years this year. 
So. Nice. Mm -hmm. That's a good long time. So that's why we call you the expert here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so just touch a little bit more maybe and tell me a little bit more on like just that personal connection when, you know, dealing with and, and working on and renovating a historic home. What, what's that like? Um, I think for me, the connection comes from the history that's in the walls of these homes. These homes have all been lived in by probably dozens of families. Each family has a story. And sometimes you have the benefit of meeting neighbors that knew some of those older residents and you begin to find out the history and you begin to fall yeah. in love with the house for a reason. And then I always go back to my philosophy with older homes and historic homes is the preservation of that. And part of it's not only the stories, but it is the architecture. It's the materials that were used. It was oh, yeah. the process that went into that particular piece of property. Yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you, for me, you know, it, it is cool how it usually starts young, you know, with, with most people when, when they're really into something that much. For me, you know, we were talking before the show about my grandparents in Pennsylvania and all this. Well, their home in Uniontown, Pennsylvania is actually, I just found out a couple months ago, it's the last home left on that street. Every home has been absolutely tore down. I remember going up there, you know, as a kid and I remember that, you know, they were so close together and even the, the home next door, even when I was young, was literally leaning so much that the, the peak of their roof was touching the peak of my grandparents' roof. And um, I think that might have been the first home to go on the street that way. Mm -hmm. But it, so it's, I remember sitting on the porch in the swing and, and with my great uncle and my grandfather and, you know, all the different stuff going on and just that, that whole kind of hangout nostalgic old kind of thing. I, I remember so many things about the house. It's amazing to me that it's the last one left standing Yeah. right now on that street. It's kind of a shame. It um, is a shame. But, a shame you know, it's, it's, it starts at an early age, I think, with most people when they really get a passion for, oh, yeah. for things that they do and everything. So can you kind of just maybe explain a little bit of the difference between, you know, we work on a lot of older homes mm -hmm. um, and, but then truly like, preservation places and sectors and, you know, an actual historic home? Well, the, the difference is, and I think it's like important to know that not all older homes are historic homes. Correct. That's kind yeah. of a good starting place to be considered a historic home. The home needs to be at least 50 years old. So in today's world, that would be 1972. That's your, your platform to start from. And then those homes need to meet certain criteria um, to be registered and designated as historic. And those things would be under consideration would be the age, the architectural style, the significance of the property, integrity of location. Those things help determine if it can be qualified as historic. And then to yeah. get to that, there's a process. Yeah, and it is. It's pretty amazing the things that, you know, they have to go through to figure these out and to really you know, classify something. And it's amazing too, even when they do how the rules are, they kind of change and they get a little different from house to house, depending on all these different circumstances, which I think, you know, is, is probably a great segue into my on the road with rich segment, because, you know, basically I 
travel every day. I go out, I meet clients, I look at their their houses and their remodeling jobs and all the things, their wishes and dreams. And I see a lot of older homes, historic homes get into some, some areas. And I had a really interesting one a couple of years ago in the Central West End, and they wanted to renovate their front yard. And I tell you, so the, the issue they actually had, and the reason they wanted to do it was because they're really close. Their doors down from the business district and there's bars and restaurants and they would literally find like the plastic cups from the restaurants and the bars and their bushes. And they, a few times they had people like literally fall into their bushes and some of them were getting damaged. So they wanted to build up on a retaining wall and kind of raise it, get it a couple feet high. And they didn't want to just do this retaining wall. You know, they wanted to keep up the, the look and the architecture of the house and all this. And that's why they, they got with us because they wanted it to be brick and brick that matched the house. And there was a retaining wall at the end of their street at a business that actually, they were kind of like, just match that, like build it exactly like they did. It looks perfect. It goes with the area. And I was like, well, there's more to think about. You know, we can't just go building retaining walls. And they were kind of surprised really. They're like, well, you know, we're looking around and even from their house, you could see several retaining walls in the front yards. Um, and I said, well, let me let me look into some stuff. Let me get with, you know, the, the area and the municipality. And we kind of made a little design for the retaining wall, what it would look like. We turned everything into them and they said, yeah, absolutely not. You can't have retaining walls. The yards are meant to slope to the sidewalk. It's a look of that area. It's in, you know, all this reasoning. And, and I even went so far as to, we did go and present it to the architectural review board, you know, kind of ask for a variance or whatever, kind of tell them what was going on. I drove around the neighborhood. And, and so there was probably, I can't remember the exact amount of homes, but it was around 35% of the homes in the area literally have a retaining wall like this in their front yard. Um, the the one across the street caddy corner from them actually used stones that I'd seen from Menards. And I'm like, well, Menards only been around for like six years. So I'm telling you right now, you know, that wall went up within the past six years or, or they drove to, you know, another state to find stone. And, and so they basically said, yeah, no, all those retaining walls are illegal. None of those people should have them. Every single one of them probably has a letter that says you need to tear this out. And there was also another person there that kind of kind of offended me. It was like he was the, the other side. He was like, you know, the, the plaintiff in the defense or whatever. And he was showing all the reasons we shouldn't do this. And I was quite impressed that I was like, wow, he's got other businesses that did it like this and that and, you know, big buildings. And they even this brand new building graded their yard just like this. And I'm like, gosh, man. And this was a citizen. Mm -hmm. This person did not work for the municipality. This person was just heartfelt about that area and, and preserving it. And it was kind of a little bit of a lesson to me on like, wow, man, this is real. You know, these and, and these are these are real things. And so, of course, the client was like really bummed out. He's like, I can't. So I can't have my all these other people get this retaining wall because they didn't follow the rules. 
and we try to follow the rules and we don't get to have it. I'm like, yeah, that's super unfortunate, but you know, it's kind of just the way it's got to be. And, it, and it's kind of a shame, but you know, so I, I recall the story, oh gosh, probably maybe 10 years ago or so. I, maybe you'll remember, I, I tried to look it up online. I couldn't really find much about it, but there was a set of steps in St. Louis city that somebody built and they built, they showed them on the news. They built these steps, they were stone and it was super modern looking. It would have been a great thing, you know, out in the middle of O'Fallon, Missouri, or, or, you know, some of these newer stone looking brick stone houses that they make nowadays. But it was in a historic area and they were trying to get them to tear these steps out. And I'm thinking, man, these steps probably cost, that probably cost $20,000 or something like that. Oh my gosh. So the preparation and the things you should think of when you're getting into that. Um, so Nan, I would ask you just to maybe share some challenges or maybe things you wish you knew, you know, earlier on, like w what's happened and some of the things you've done in the past. Well, I think kind of addressing your stories and going in, leading into that is that was a big learning curve for me. I've messed Me with too, yeah, renovating older homes in the past, but and I've worked in two historic districts here in St. Louis, and you have to be educated probably before you buy the property is a good idea. You need to look at your municipal codes. You need to touch base with the preservation guidelines, you yeah. know, with the city development office, and all those things can be found online or picking up the phone, and making some phone calls. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. The very first thing I tried to do was put some um, wrought iron railings over some French doors that they had been there previously, and I wanted to do them, turned them in for approval, and I was told no. Well, why not? They were here. It wasn't that I couldn't have them. It was they had to be as they appeared at the time the home was built. Yes. Scale, material, everything. Um, went back to the drawing board and we eventually got that done. But that was kind of my first awakening that even though these things existed, you just can't put them back the way you want them. Yeah. And that is the beauty of working in a historic district is that there is, there are guidelines, there are codes in order to maintain the integrity of those homes in that community, that neighborhood or that district. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, a lot of things to learn. And so what I want to kind of teach people here, you know, coming up in our next segment after my hack, we can get into more of these things of like, what should you think about when you go to buy a historic home? What could some of the surprises be? What are some of the benefits and the downfalls and, you know, different things like that? I would absolutely love to touch on that. And then uh, we'll start off after the break with my hack. We'll get into you know, how to hang pictures in an old home, how to hang them on plaster and really, you know, get things to sturdy in the way they need to be for you. So we'll bring all of that in when we return. And now here's Rich's Right at Home Hack. All right, guys, you heard the man. We are back and it is time for Rich's Right at Home Hack. And we are talking historic homes today. So in the theme of old buildings, old homes, I thought I would share a very simple picture hanging trick when you're working with plaster walls. So before you nail a hole into your plaster wall, put a small square of masking or painter's tape 
over the area where you're going to place that nail prior to driving the nail in. That way, when you nail into the plaster, it's less likely to flake out, spread, dust, crack, and it can even prevent future cracks down the line. So, and I don't want to leave out for everybody too, if you have a historic home and you actually have the old picture molding on the top of your walls still there, you can always use that as actually in. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Intended to hang your artwork from the picture molding, and you don't even have to put a nail or a screw into that plaster wall. So hopefully that's good for everybody out there with your plaster. If you want to hear this or any of my weekly hacks again, you can check them all out on Facebook. Just look up Rich Oris Mosby on Facebook. You can get to all of them every single week. We're going to get back here to our regular conversation with uh, Nan Wisniewski with me today. We're talking historic homes. We've got the expert on remodeling historic homes with me. Done a lot of this just like we have here at Mosby. So, so Nan, I thought I, I found this interesting article that had some advice. It's actually it's from my buddy, Bob Vila. I love Bob Vila, right? He's probably oh, yeah. done tenfold what we do or know or whatever. And so I love to just kind of go over some of these things and see, you know, how this compares with some of the advice and, and how some of these things stack up. He's got like four main keys. And it's basically, you know, just talking about what should people know prior to buying a historic home. You're going in, you're shopping, you're looking at them, you think you want one. Well, what are some of those things you should know? And I do actually love the first one. And I think you'll really like this too and have a lot to add to it. But, you know, number one for them was when you're buying a historic home, you've become part of something larger. You need to realize that kind of what we were touching on. Um, it's basically a, a really unique opportunity to, to kind of share and interpret, you know, the, the history of the home and really become a steward of the, of the area in our nation's past and the whole thing. So what are your thoughts on that? I mean, what do you think we kind of talk, 
touched on it a little bit earlier. What are your thoughts on how important that is for everybody? I think that's really important. And I, we did touch on it earlier. I think it's one of the things that draw me to those homes in particular is the history behind them and maintaining that. Um, yeah. You know, all, all houses can be homes. It's the ones that have been neglected that are just houses. And taking the time, the energy, the money, the resources, um, and making those homes houses again and making them relevant again is, to me, that's really important. It's really important for me as a native St. Louisan that we do that work here. And yeah. we have some great, you know, we have 18 historic districts here. We have 10 that are significant. Um, they're, I'm trying to think off the top of my head what they're called, certified historic oh, gotcha. districts. Yeah, we have yeah. 10 of those. Nice, um, yeah. And it kind of started with Lafayette Square. That's mm-hmm. where that started for us here um, back in the early 70s. So, yeah. And you know, something that I really love is just as you work on them, as you find out things about them and you talk to people like yourself that know different things. And, you know, you find out things about these houses like uh, one I'll probably never forget is the first time I had heard about the wide doors. You know, they're like 42 or 48 inch wide front doors, you know, on a lot of these houses being for the casket. And because they were laid out in the home. Exactly. I I was like, okay, never really thought about that. But, you know, the difference in what we do today to what we did back then in in the remembrance of that. And I just I love learning things like that and, and, and realizing when I think, um, I don't mean to interrupt you, oh, but I think one of the things I found in doing these homes is the people that have lived in those homes, you will one day get a knock on the door. They will come by and they want to see the inside of their house. And while they're there, they will walk you through every room, every story, every party. Yeah. It's amazing. And all the neighbors will share all the stories. And yes, one funny story, I was at a house I was doing in Washington Terrace. I had rain boots on. I was out power washing the driveway mm-hmm. and probably had a pair of overalls on. The neighbor who had lived across the street for 60 years came right over, introduced himself and said, you remind me of Harry. And I'm like, well, that's certainly complimentary, but why? Yeah. And they said, this is what he did almost every week. And one by one, as you started to meet people, you would yeah. hear those stories. And the house too is always probably the original homeowner's home. It is not known as the Wisniewski household. <laughs> it is yeah. known by who owned it, who built it, who lived there the oh, longest. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I did have, when when I was a project manager running jobs for Mosby, I had an older home in the Central West End. We did a major, major renovation. It was like nine months. Um, we, there was two bedrooms in the home that we didn't touch. Um, and, and basically we renovated everything. It had the eighties kitchen remodel that we took back, brought it back to, to the way it should have been all the hardwood, all the stuff. And they were telling us they had a party on the, when the home turned a hundred and we were invited back to kind of see it. And it had been, you know, two or three years since we did a job. And she was telling me that exact story. Lady knocks on the door. This was my parents house yeah. you know 
could I see it? And they, oh yeah, they were like, oh yeah, she was here like 45 minutes. We walked around, we looked, she was ecstatic over the kitchen, how it came back. Cause you know, she remembered when it was remodeled and was like, oh, what are you doing? You know, like, why would you do mm -hmm. that? And, you know, so bringing those things back to what they were and then, yeah, people will come around and want to see when you work on a home for nine months, People will show up oh, yeah. and be like, what did you do? How did you do it? What did it look, you know? And I think what um, they love most is when you do that and you make the house modern for today's living, but keeping in mind what yeah. the home was, and you can definitely, with all the materials that are available today, do that. Yeah. You, you, you make that home the way it should be, but it works for our world today. Yes. No, absolutely. Um, so... One of my other favorite things is, you know, the butler's pantry with all these kitchens. Um, it's kind of hard to even imagine that, you know, th they built a butler's pan pantry because people had butlers. Yes. <laughs> I mean, they did. And they, they were lived big, in the home. They lived on the pantries. third floor. They, Oh, yeah. And um, I, I had a butler's pantry that actually had a radiator that was was built for keeping food warm so it's if you've seen those yeah the on the sidewall in the wall yeah and yeah. it's like it's like shelves exactly like yeah and there's space between and they could literally slide like a tray mm -hmm. on it and keep bread warm or something and all that well it's, it's amazing to find it in here and, and know all these things um I, I i love it too i know we're geeking out a little bit here but oh I i'm all about geeking out over this stuff so so <laughs> The second thing Bob's got for us here is really, you know, when buying a historic home, it can really offer a significant return on your investment. And so there was a study. Um, it was in South Carolina on some older historic homes in a, in a historic district. And the homes there, now this is pre-COVID. This is, this is years ago. The homes there sold 26% faster than the overall market. And they saw a, a whopping 21% greater sale price than the rest of the market that wasn't. So what's your experience with resale and all of that? I don't know the breakdown per percentages, but I'd absolutely agree with that. Having yeah. done these older homes and in particular the historic homes I've done, I think a lot of people don't have the wherewithal, either vision-wise, not financially because they do show up to buy these houses, but they don't have the knowledge of how to do it, but they want it. Yeah. And they will pay for it once it's done and it's done well. They want to live in these areas because they're the districts themselves. It's not just a lone historic house. If it's in a district, there's lots. There's that commonality and that appreciation and that ability to bond because of your home, because of the houses around you. Yeah. And if they're done well and they're done following these guidelines with the, um, the preservation guidelines, your home is not going to depreciate because everybody is on the same page about yeah. what they're trying to achieve. That's where I see that the increase comes from. Yeah, no, I, I think I absolutely completely agree with that um, and, and have seen plenty of that from my side, too, of how people are just. They will pay for what they love and right. there's emotional side to it and all this stuff in, in these historic homes. So, so the third thing, you know, Bob kind of talked about a little bit was um, really the regulations is to try and 
you know, do some research, understand that historic home, you know, when you go to renovate them and additions and things like that, they may be heavily regulated, how you can do it, what you can do, you know, they can really control in that area, you know, how they want things. It's very particular, um, architectural, the significance, some of it's even like cultural significance of not changing how things are. So, um, what have you seen or, or, you know, run into that trying to make changes? Well, you did talk about the rail. Any other stories like that about what you've seen? Sure. I mean, windows, that's a biggie. Now, oh, yeah. I am not a fan of changing out original windows. I live in a home that is 92 years old right now, and we're, we are drafty. But there is no way I'm going to take out original wood windows with the leaded glass. They're beautiful. You love an old home. You learn to live with those things. Oh, yeah. I have re- had to replace them, and you do have to go through the ARB. You have to follow your preservation guidelines and you, your municipal codes as well. So when you're dealing with historic homes, you have several things to consider. That what they what they again are looking yeah. for is if you put this replacement window in, is it is it six over six, four over one, three over three, whatever it was, that's what has to be done. Yeah, and what I've what I've seen and, and found too is, you know, there are window manufacturers that have worked with these areas to make windows that fit for there. So you can even call those districts and say, you know, who makes what window that I could actually use and find right. out. You know, here's a good one, here's a good one, here's a couple different ones, and and they make them to fit into that renovation into that area right. and look the way that they that they should. So. We're going to keep going down this list. we got to get into our final break here. But in the next segment, if you could stick around with me for some more, we'll finish this list. We can get into some tax credits, codes, other regulations. Got a couple more stories for everybody. All right, guys, welcome back. We are here. We are talking all historic homes. So many cool stories and topics and, and things that we've been through. We're here with our renovation expert, uh, Nan Wisniewski, and we're talking over Bob Vila's actual list of things that he would warn people when going to purchase, um, you know, an older, a historic home, you know, something like that. Things you just need to kind of understand and and think about and all of that. And, you know, touching back on some of the renovations we were talking about, the additions and how all these things can be, you know, regulated. Um, It's amazing how it can change from area to area and some of the, the rules they may or may not have in different areas that you may not even kind of understand fully. Um, I I had one Nan where we were looking at a detached garage off the alley. Mm -hmm. Um, It was kind of small, kind of like car and a half. Um, and, and after the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. 
Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. It was in a historic area, but there was a really weird rule that we found out about. And we brought it to the client, and it was basically if we do the repairs to this garage, we have to do it all historically. It has to look exactly like it was. The windows, the door, we got it. You know, we have to do all that. But if we tore it down, and built a new one, we could do anything we wanted. We could make it bigger. We could use vinyl siding. We could make it. And there was a lot of, you know, just garages in the area that were vinyl sided over that really, to me, is almost like destroying the area, right? You know, it's like, really. But we brought it to them because we were like, we just, we're educators. You should understand that we can tear this down. We can build a new one. We can do it this way. And it will actually save you money. And you will be able to fit two cars in it. And now talking about that person that loves all that, he bought us repairing the garage. He said, I only need to put one car in it, and I want the historic value. Good for I him. want the preservation. <laughs> I don't want my garage to look like the one three, three houses down. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. And, and I was like, wow, that's, you know, amazing, that passion. And, and to spend more money and, and almost... I don't want to say get less because I don't think he, I don't think he got less. I think he got a smaller size, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe less space, but he got what he wanted and he was passionate about it, you know? And so I think that's, you know, one of the things that, you know, we were kind of talking about touching on is you got to know what you're getting into and you got to really have a love mm-hmm. for that and everything. So, um, but looking at, so his last one on his list, you know, when, when buying a historic home, um, that to understand that there could be access to resources um, for that preservation, for the things that you need. So, you know, a lot of these areas, and if it is like a national thing, especially like on a national registry, you may be eligible for, you know, some financial assistance, some grants, some loans, some tax incentives, different things like that. So let's, you know, jump into that with you. What have you seen as far as that sort of stuff, the credits, the loans, and, and you know, that sort of thing? Um, well, we've done them when, we, when we've done these houses and the, the historic houses. Um, it's a little cumbersome, a little yeah. over. Oh, it's, it's, it's very hard to get your head around. And there are resources. You can find a tax, an accountant, who a tax accountant who kind of specializes in tax credits. You can call up to Jeff City, um, the Missouri State Historic Preservation Office. There are counselors that basically work with you, and they help you track your expenses. They help you to understand what things that you do to the house could be a benefit and covered by a tax, you know, where you could get the tax yeah. credit. Yeah. And the things that don't, like wallpaper, not. Your paint, not. But there's... Those people are, were really helpful, and we did work with them. The binder that we turned in to get our tax credits was at least three inches thick of receipts and proof and pictures. 
Um, it's cumbersome, but it, it works because those tax credits can go back three years or go forward 10. You can sell them once you get them. Um, and I honestly do not remember what we did. We probably used some. We probably sold some. Yeah. And you have to have, within the tax credit here in Missouri, you have to spend X amount of the cost. Like if you bought the house for $500,000, then there's a certain amount of money you have to spend renovating. And of that money, X amount has to be approved to be, to be working toward that tax credit benefit. And I believe that there are certain loans for people that do work in these types of homes. Yeah. That are beneficial. That's where a lot of renovators make their money. It isn't on the, um, say, what you bought the house for, what you put in, and what you sell for. It's these tax credits gotcha. that makes it possible to save these homes sometimes. And 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 that's awesome because, um, you know, we were we were talking about you were saying kind of during the break about, you know, not tearing down, not building new. You know, really preserving, you know, the embodiment, all this stuff of this mm -hmm. home. Can, can you just tell me a little bit more? Yeah. You know, tell everybody a little bit more about that. So, you know, um, if I looked at the pros, people always say, what's the con? I can tell you the cons. Those are fairly easy. I think the pros that people don't really touch on is understanding, because I know right now sustainability is a big word for everybody. Yeah. A historic home kind of already comes sustainable. Uh, those materials are, I'm going to say, I'm going to put myself out here on a limb, better made than what we have today many times because of the way they were made and sourced. So back in the day, there was water power. Materials were transported on ships. They were built with hand tools. They were, were built with manpower. Yeah. And all of that put together is called embodied energy, which benefits the environment. Um, you know, Demolishing or removing materials from a home isn't healthy. Those materials do harm the environment when you take them out and you put them in a landfill. Yes. So, the and the other pro, and kind of the thing to remember when you are renovating a historic home is yes, there are guidelines for the outside, mostly from what you can see from the street, whether it be your front or maybe part of the side of each side of your home. And then inside, the more significant rooms and architectural features are going to be found in the front of the home, the first floor. Okay. And yeah. as you move your way back through the house, those things become less, not always, but for the most part, and then as you go up each level. So if you're really big on trying to get a modern anything going on in your house, do it in the back rooms, do it upstairs. Those you won't find, you're gotcha. not going to lose yeah. your architectural significance. Yeah, yeah. So... That's interesting. And, you know, I'll tell you another thing I've seen, you know, when, when we're talking about all these different regulations and, you know, there are a lot of areas where it's like it's the front of the home and that's what they're concerned of. That's mm -hmm. a big thing. And, you know, I've seen in the Central West End, it's all the front of the home. So you don't know what's you going do on anything in the back. <laughs> to the, they don't, they don't, you could do different windows in the back or the sides, but the front of the home, they you know, you got to preserve that. You got to have the look and everything. But I tell you, people watch out a little bit because, you know, one of them that I had worked on was it also means what can you see from the street? Yes. What you see driving down or walking yes. down the sidewalk. That's under speculation. The, the home we were looking at, and this is the same one with the front yard. If you're facing the front of the home to the right side, 
There's probably four or five feet between the houses. You can barely see a thing. You can't even hardly set up a ladder to work on a window. It was so hard. Mm -hmm. The other side, the house is probably 20 feet away. There's this little side yard with a fence. And you can see the side of that house from the street. And they're like, no, that's the front of the house. And we're like, really? So corner lots, all these things. Yeah, Yeah, that's another lesson I learned. Yes. The side. I didn't think the side. How is that not part of the front of the house? It is. Exactly. It's what's visible. Exactly. So, yeah, you definitely want to check into these things, understand them. Um, and, And truthfully, so for me, I would say that's the con is probably the only one that I would really know of or understand is what you got to know what you're up against. Yeah. And, and so you don't get into something like that. And, and that's and my con. Exactly. It is. It's, it, I said, I don't have very many of them because pretty much correct. anything that most people would find horrifying about them, that doesn't bother me. Yeah. That's the biggest one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so is there any last just thoughts or tips or what's the the last thing you'd want to tell anybody out there on advice on something like this? Um, you know, I, I think one of the things is that people get that, that may stop people from pursuing this outside of knowing that there are codes and codes are there for a good reason and you can work with them. Sure. But the other benefit and which will help you when you get into these older homes or historic properties is the economics involved in renovating. They don't have to be overwhelming and stupidly expensive Sure. when you prioritize what you're going to fix and what you're going to renovate and what you're going to replace. So I think it's really wise to spend some time. You, you can identify a house, get it inspected. Get somebody who's knowledgeable, who can poke around a little bit and tell you a little bit about your wiring. Probably not going to know about plumbing until you open the walls, and those that's usually my sure. biggest surprise is that. Um, but just keep in mind it is less expensive to replace or to keep and renovate than it is to replace. Awesome. Well, hey, I, I appreciate you coming on. I had a lot of fun with this, Nan. I, I absolutely loved it. I do want to remind everybody out there that um, if you're looking for anything like this, check out Mosby's website, callmosby.com, or just give us a call, 314-909-1800. We can look at it. We can see it. We can check it out. We do this sort of thing all the time. I do this sort of thing. So for everybody out there, be good. Have fun. Thanks for coming on, Nan. I had a blast with you. We'll do it again sometime. <laughs> we'll talk to everybody else later. Get more at 971talk.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.